All right, I'm just going to jump on here and check out our uh, film narc hey, Corey, Instagram. What? Dude, check out this book that I found. The book? Yeah, it's like it's like super old and here, help me well, open what it. In the, okay, yeah, I'll give it a try. Jesus, uh, like open. Oh, man. Holy crap. Whoa. What is that sound? I don't know, dude. I don't know about this book. What? Does it say anything? Oh, dude, you know what this is? What is it? Dude, I I, I remember re- hearing a story about this. This is the Narconomicon. The Narconomicon? Yeah, dude. That sounds made up. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's real. It's. I oh. mean, I wouldn't believe it if I weren't li- looking at it right Wait, now. Holy cow, that's amazing. It looks pretty gnarly. Does it say anything else? Well, it's pretty old. Okay, so I read the back of it, you know. There's like oh, a little okay, synopsis. there's a little, yeah. like, what's it about? You know, like a little about the author's section. Yeah, that's nice. Um, it said that uh, if, if there's, like, some really bad movies and you feel like people just bring them up too often, you write the name in the book and then you never mention them again. What? Yeah. Like, that actually seems kind of useful. There's a lot of movies I'd like to forget. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you, you put it to sleep, you put it to bed, and you never think about it again. Huh. Okay. Well, well, I mean, we have it. We might as well use it for something. Well, it looks like it has the power to really seal some powerful stuff in here. So I think no matter how bad the movies are, we can throw them in there. And I, I really believe that this book, you know... We'll be able to take them away. I have an idea. Do you think it'd be able to handle three at one time? I know exactly what you're talking about. A long time ago, in a theater far, far away, George Lucas decided to tell the story of Anakin Skywalker's turn into the evil Darth Vader. These three prequel movies made fans yell until Lucasfilm... But today, we enter the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith into the Narcronomicon. Film Narc, execute Order 66. All right, before we never mention these movies again, I feel like we need never to talk again. about them never. and get them out of our system. Don't do it. I think we should talk about what we don't like about them. Maybe the few things that we do like about them, get them out Very of our few. system. Only a couple. So that we're satisfied mm-hmm. and we never have to bring them up again. Mm-hmm. So let's start with episode one, The Phantom Menace. Episode one. Well, uh, we rewatched and we kind of, uh, I took a lot of notes and did a little bit of research on what exactly is happening in this movie, what could have happened in this movie. And uh, Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace, I, uh, I gotta say it's uh, my least favorite. This movie is, this movie's awful. My favorite. It's your favorite it's, and my well, least favorite. Well, a lot of people really like this movie, actually. To say it's your favorite of the prequels isn't saying much. Um, <laughs> but I And I am very well aware that I am uh, in the minority in thinking that one is the best out of the three prequels. Yeah. But I just, I like... Um, I like the most about it other than the other, like from the other movies. I think some of the acting in the other movies really takes me out. Yeah. And I think bad performances is something that my suspension of disbelief is not willing. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with like the midichlorians and the bad storyline and the plot holes, but I will not deal with bad performances because I just can't believe it. You know, if a person's not believable, I'm gone. Yeah. Okay, so to officially kick this off, I thought it'd be interesting, because uh, I heard somewhere that if you're not able to catch someone's attention within two sentences of a book, uh, of a story, or anything like that, then you're not doing it right. So I'm going to compare each one of these movies when we jump into them. The first two sentences of the opening crawl. 
Okay? So I'm going to compare them, A New Hope, which was the first in the original trilogy, and Phantom Menace. And then, of course, Empire, Clones, Revenge, Return. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start off with A New Hope. The first two sentences are, It's a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. All right, period of civil war. You got a lot to go with there, right? This is exciting stuff. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna see this movie. I you're, wanna hear more. You're interested. I'm, I'm hooked. Uh, yeah, you're, you're all, you're all set, man. You're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then uh, we have the first two sentences of episode one. Okay. Uh, Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. So, I don't know about all you trade route followers. <laughs> so, this is a movie about accountants. I am so... <laughs> got to balance these books. I am so interested right now. I am committed to figuring out what their taxation limitations are. Got to call like, the outer man, space CPAs. What's and going see on what's with going these on trade disputes? Oh, what can I get? Can I expense this? <laughs> and is this, uh, can I, you know, can I write this off in my tax? Oh, report? man. It is so bad. Okay, so I'm going to start digging into my notes here. Um, I got a lot of stuff, and it's in no real particular order, but uh, I think it kind of starts out. My thought is it, we're, we're going into like. The movie opens up going into space, and then we see two Jedi, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, going in for trade negotiations, which no one cares about. Uh, And then you get to meet the Trade Federation, which are two very racist stereotypes of uh, Asian people. Right. Yeah, Uh, which I was hoping to find some sound clips of this as proof, but... It's basically been wiped off the internet. I think they're doing uh, great measures to make sure none of this stuff is available because of how offensive it actually is. I don't think... I think a lot of the uh, offensive accents and, mm. you know, um, Jar Jar Binks seeming very so, Jamaican and negative every and Trade Federation seeming very part Asian. Your character. I don't think they did it on purpose. Dude. But... I think there is definitely an oversight. I, th- I think it's very similar to like the urban uh, uh, ebonic characters in term or in Transformers. You know the the two. Uh. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a similar situation where they wanted to they wanted to evoke a kind of emotion, and in doing so, they are they're showing the racism, and it's definitely racist. But I don't think they did it on purpose. I think they're stupidly racist or ignorantly racist. I think it's just a bunch of people that didn't want to try to think of any sort of outlandish alien thing and just decide to do this. Like, if you did so the... you kind of see more of a lack of creativity? Yeah, I just see people like, oh, I'm in big robes, like a... a like old... <laughs> I can't think of the word, but just some sort of Asian rub. So we're just going to talk like this. Oh, hope to get to the Senate. <laughs> and, and saying things like, uh, oh, is it uh, legal? <laughs> and then the emperor's like, I'll make it legal. But it's it's a total oversight and something that should have been very obvious. If they would have done an alien language with subtitles, I think they could have avoided a lot of that stuff, especially with Jar Jar Binks. 
Um, Jar Jar Binks could have been a much more manageable character if it was just an alien language, something like Greedo, and then do subtitles along the bottom. Because then you're just kind of like, oh, okay, weird alien creature. Then you don't have to worry about being racist. Precisely. As, as far as like humans go. Something that yeah. I think... Oh, that movies... sounds like a Jamaican guy speaking gibberish. Right. That's I, super I, offensive. <laughs> I think something that these movies could really benefit by is a quality control. Mm. You know, somebody who's like, who's just like in the background saying, like watching the movie, you know, watching the recording. Uh, yeah, George. Yeah. No. That's not going to work. That's super racist. Yeah, that's a real bad idea, George. Uh, why don't we do a second take on that? That was horrible. <laughs> that's one thing about these three movies is there's literally no second take. It's like, he's just watching and he's just like, uh, they say a line. He's just like, ah, oh, God, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's we'll just. We're not going to get anything better than that. Cut print, go. Um, we we are doing a little bit of a party uh, atmosphere here. We got a couple guests kind of standing by. They'll join us on the other two movies definitely. If they have thoughts, we're going to bring them in on this one. Um, we also have a special guest, Finley, who is about six months old. It's uh, Matt's son, who's one of our guests. And we also have Ryan over there. Um, so you may hear him chime in on how bad this movie is. It sounds like baby talk, but trust me, he's, he's dissing it hard. He actually has a lot of really intelligent things to say about his, how bad these movies his are. His swearing is out of hand. We though. just don't understand him because it's an alien language. That, yeah, you know. <laughs> we can see the subtitles. You can't. <laughs> don't worry, it's not racist. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Um, we get to see these different like battle droids in this movie and all these different things. And one thing that really stood out to me, which really angered me in this movie with the battle droids, is there's no real hive mind. You think there would be with robots to where there's one person giving orders and then they all follow. But there's like markings for captains and generals of the robots, which what did they do to earn those? Yeah, that and doesn't then, really make sense. Yeah, like a for, soldier for bot one goes robot up to and stand <laughs> out, and for other robots to not. Yeah, there yep. should have been a high. That's a really creative, like a really thoughtful way. Uh, let's. Are we doing negatives and then positives? Or uh, so we'll we'll negatives? jump. Sorry, I'm getting off track. Okay, yeah, why don't yeah. we start? I'm let's just, start with positives. I have so many emotions about this movie you want to you want to just get caught up okay chris what are your positives okay positives okay well this is something that's um true of all the prequels um but but something that they did well is they were creative in new ships new alien races we see a lot of things that we haven't seen before do you know the name of the princess's ship by the way the super shiny one the oh the super cool one yeah Uh, i uh, I don't remember. It's called like the Nubian one, which makes you think of like Nubian princess. It makes me think when of it should, slave one. When it should be, yeah. It Boba should be Fett like, shit. I think it's called the Nubian one. But uh, it also, shouldn't it be Nabooian or Nabubian? Nabubian. <laughs> but Naboo isn't even in there and it's like a Naboo ship. It's just Nubian, which is like something totally different and also kind of racist. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Continue Uh, with your good. Okay. So they, so they have, they were, they did a good job with creativity in my opinion in these movies. I think some of the casting was good. I think, I think, uh, Leslie, um, Nielsen or whatever his name is. (laughs) It's totally wrong. Liam Neeson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, Leslie Nielsen as Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. Actually a much better movie. Uh, And (laughs) Ewan McGregor was, I think a very good choice. Um, yeah, uh, of course the kid is awful. J type three, two, seven Nubian Royal starship. Thank you, Matt. Wow. That's really complicated. Yeah. But anyhow, we, we, we see some new things. We see some creative things in these mm. movies that we haven't seen before. I like the little harmonica thing that they use to breathe underwater. I thought that was inspired. Yeah. 
Um, I, I liked some of the technology that the Gungans use, mm-hmm. like their shield technology. I thought that was really cool yeah. and creative. Um, and, and they use it in a lot of different ways. They use it for their underground underwater world. They yeah. also use it as a shield, and then they use it for their little power balls. It'd be awesome if during that the... battle they were able to fill it with water and right. like short out See, the droids. That and they could be... yeah. Um, yeah. But anyhow, lots of cool. There were some oh, positive well. things. <laughs> the, the fight with Darth Maul at the end of the movie. Uh, no, not yet. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. Uh, it's hard to talk about positive things because there's so much more negative. Um, I think what, what else you got? Really, um, I think the biggest positive with the prequels is Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, his storyline is decent, and and uh, and his performance is good, and the actor Ian McGregor is really good for that role, so yeah. I think that's probably the biggest positive that we get out of the prequels, but there's also a lot of new things. That was a complaint that I heard about Force Awakens, is that uh, there wasn't a lot of really you know, brand new stuff. They didn't mm. introduce some new things. Uh, at- Look what we got when they did that, though. <laughs> exactly exactly but that is that is in, you can't have your cake and eat it in too. essence that is a positive thing. yeah do you have any positive score um i do actually uh i really like the scene with the astromechs fixing the ship as they're going towards the blockade which the blockade is a whole nother thing why would you just do one ring around a planet instead of doing a lot more ships <laughs> like that seems really weird just like oh we'll come in from the top and they're just like uh, they might die like i don't know <laughs> we'll just Keep running it with ships. Sorry, going into negative. But the astromechs, like seeing R2 and the different robots coming out and seeing how that works on right. that ship. And you kind of see uh, R2's like arms in his front wheel. It matches the curves of the ships. You see how they're useful in that situation as they're repairing. Um, I just thought that was kind of neat that they were showing that aspect of it. Um, the underwater city you mentioned, I thought it was just a pretty interesting new locale. It was locale. a cool design. Yeah. It, it was, and, it, and it really popped. It caught your eye. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just kind of like, ooh, look what they can do now. Um, and Obi-Wan following through with Qui-Gon's wish to train Anakin. Uh, I thought it was interesting that it was basically a death wish that he was like, look, I'm going to do it. I promised him when he was dying. I found that an interesting aspect of Obi-Wan, like, he's being forced into this. And when Anakin turns, he's like, this wasn't even supposed to be my responsibility. I just like the additional idea of Obi-Wan being like, yeah, I failed at this. It was pushed on me and having that extra layer to that their relationship. That was one very few and far between, but one character moment and relational yeah. moment that actually worked. Yeah. It's just a shame they didn't use that in any other <laughs> movie. <laughs> All right. Or- so now, now we can go negative. Oh, thank God. Okay, so getting to my page and a half of notes on this movie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Corey, just go and I'll chime in. Okay, I'm going to go. There's no threat of danger throughout this entire movie. Everyone's just kind of like going through on their own predetermined path. There's like Darth Maul was just kind of brought in as a person, but you don't see Darth Maul doing anything bad until he attacks Qui-Gon in the desert. That really bothers me because why should we be so invested in Darth Maul? If we saw him like killing a couple people behind their back, like, you know, uh, there was actually a scene that was cut from the movie uh, where the emperor told uh, Darth Maul to go after a couple of these generals uh, who were talking and were planning to go against the Trade Federation. He said them kill them silently and make it slow, which I thought was 
a great thing for the Emperor to say. It gives that evil, it gives Darth Maul that, like, okay, I do very terrible things. So you're like, oh, man, there's that guy. Instead of being like, there's a guy that stood there and said he's awesome. Um, it looks like Ryan actually has something to say about this. Uh, but I just felt like there wasn't enough to make you invested in the evilness and that there's that threat of Darth Maul. Like, if he was, like, training to fight Obi-Wan and showed him, like, preparing for it, I think that would have been cool. Ryan, yeah, what's that's up? That's actually the point I was going to be making. Is, oh, what were you going to say? Is that they, uh, um, they introduce Darth Maul as a... Uh, as a extremely powerful Sith, hmm. but they don't show any sign of him actually having any training done. When they introduce him, he's just walking around with the yeah. with uh, the Emperor, yeah, uh, and that that's it. And then it just cuts to them just gazing out, out over a landscape <laughs> and. <laughs> That, yeah, but he looked at that landscape very evilly. Yes. <laughs> they show that, the, that he and the Emperor have a relationship, but they don't um, establish the fact that they don't give you a reason to hate Darth Maul. Yeah. And and that's one thing about this movie that I don't understand. You're creating this for a new generation. You're going into episode one. If you were watching this movie from episode one, not knowing anything about Star Wars, this movie doesn't make a lick of sense. They don't explain what Jedi are and what they do. They don't explain what type of powers they have. They just kind of do stuff, and you're expected throughout the movie to kind of go, oh, yeah, they do that. Even people that watch the old Star Wars, you see them Looney Tunes super run out down a corridor, and you're like, yeah, they do that now, I guess. That was a, that was a, that did not work at all for me. That no. just looks weird. And another reason why that didn't work is Qui-Gon's fighting Darth Maul and they're getting stuck in those laser bridges and you see Obi-Wan like jogging behind trying to catch up and it's like, dude, use your super speed. Just anything, catch up to them. And then he's already stuck in a door and then Qui-Gon goes and fights Darth Maul on the other side of those uh, red things, which he could probably just use his lightsaber to break the little igniters that do the shields. But I mean, uh, with the with the using the lightsaber to break through the shields, yeah. um, they tried doing uh, a scene like that at the beginning of the movie where they're they're going to break through the door, the blast door. Yeah. So they already introduced the ability to use your lightsaber <laughs> for I don't know. Yeah, uh, as a Swiss Army knife. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you could have easily just cut those. Yeah. Things Swiss up. Army knife. And even if he didn't want to waste the arm movement, he's like, oh, I'm going to need this energy. He could have done his super speed through those last five gates, which it didn't seem like they were that far away and they were open in that quick of a succession at that time it's like why introduce that power that looks so utterly ridiculous when they blur out of there and then it shows them like down the long end of a hallway like darting off and then you never use it again especially in a moment where your master's about to die (laughs) like worst padawan in the history of man sorry oh uh, my master's uh battling a uh an unknown sith uh, an unknown sith I'll just jog this one out. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> um, okay, so we also talked a little bit about the underwater city because uh, Qui-Gon winds up saving Jar Jar Binks and probably one of my most favorite scenes is when Jar Jar is running from the big hovering tank and the tank's going about half a mile an hour. So even if it ran into Jar Jar, it would probably just like bump him and he'd be like, oh, no, oh, dang it. All right. I think I'll sit on this now and ride it out. Yeah, like, or he can move to the left, but instead Qui-Gon tackles him and they decide to show the entire slow-moving vehicle go over Qui-Gon and Jar Jar laying there for like 10 seconds. And it's just like... 
as they're just laying there, like waiting for it to pass. It's the most non-threatening vehicle to be chased by on the planet. Like Jar Jar could have turned around and been like, what's that noise? Oh, it's that thing? All right, I'll take two steps to the right. And then uh, I'll wave at it as it passes. All right, bye. Bye, big tank. But that big tank took out a tree. I mean, clearly, <laughs> it's a force. Oh, yeah, it's a force to be reckoned with. So we got, we got. Um, there's always a bigger fish. I thought that whole thing when they're yeah. they're going from the planet core or whatever. The, the dinosaurs was, was that they introduced Was kind of cheesy and, and didn't really work. Um, I thought the... The lead, the Gungan leader. I know you have a lot of negative mm. feelings about him, Boss Be- Nass. Before you talk about Boss Nass, the that's that whole scene or that movie filler that was there about uh, the always a bigger fish. Mm. What? <laughs> like I I understand to uh, keep people interested at the beginning of the movie to introduce a fish to be chasing them for some reason, but. The progression as they went throughout, uh, it, it just it was like, when did you want to? Were you making the new Star Wars movie or were you making a new Godzilla movie? Uh, I mean, because it just didn't make sense and it wasn't really relevant towards the story. Uh, I think you're talking about uh, when Jar Jar is involved. I was going to save this as some of. Uh... Yeah, that's when they use Jar Jar as the navigator in their little underwater ship that the Gungans give them. Yeah, I think uh, you're thinking of this. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what you're thinking of, is that, when he says that, um, which, hold on, can we just uh, hit that again? Any, <laughs> any argument you have for this being a good movie is destroyed by that one sound clip. It takes two seconds. Although, it would be interesting to be in the sound room when the voice actor <laughs> was doing all of these... Yeah, it's it utterly. Excuse me. Why? Why would you ever have Jar Jar say "excuse me"? Well, that smells stinkawiff. It's just awful. Everything about this I mean, smells stinkawiff. Uh, maybe George Lucas was like, you know, people that are a fan of this series, they're getting older now. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and try to reintroduce this to the, like the kid generation of like the eight to twelve. Yeah. So maybe we should have... His son at the time was eight years old, which I think heavily inspired his making of this movie and who he was gearing it towards, which is also why Anakin reverted to being eight years old instead of 12 in the original script. Well, how did he do... See, like, one of the things that I keep going back to when I think about the prequels and how bad they are is that George Lucas just isn't a director. He's a great writer. He's a great idea man. I think Jar Jar would have something to say about that, Chris. How rude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but how did he do so well with uh, The New Hope? You know, that's my confusion. Well, because it's the start of his idea. And honestly, I've been thinking about that a lot is where it went wrong. I think George Lucas's success had a lot to do with happenstance. First of all, we hadn't seen anything like that at that time. Right? So we had nothing to really compare it right, to. Right, but, but when you when you say that, I mean, I go back and I watch A New Hope, and it's still a much better movie. Yes, but... Here's my idea. He said with the technology that he had, hence the Jabba scene with Han Solo, which was cut into the special edition, Uh he didn't have the technology to do a lot of those scenes, so he had to cut back on a lot of things that he was wanting to do, and it's a better movie for it. All the stuff he added Mm. was was worse additions. Okay, so the limitation on effects 
and budget probably at that time um you think kind of propelled the movie forward because we do we definitely have a lot more acting and a lot more development of the plot in the early in the original trilogy and that you you're saying that may have been caused by their limitations to budget i, and I think it is very possible ah, mori, mori. yes jar jar agrees no you're not not at all ever um but yeah okay so there's that uh, i think now would be a good time to dive into anakin and him showing up um okay first of all when you go into his house because i this totally stands out you go into his house and he takes padme into his room which is creepy that this little eight-year-old kid is like totally playing up like hey are you an angel which brings up a whole nother idea of like okay so there's angels and different religions in the star wars universe that's interesting and kind of weird but when he walks into his room you see hanging basically uh what you see hanging is a prop designer completely giving up on his job because what you see are those old trackball and kids plastic highlight toys where you put the ball in and you swing it and then it rolls out and then flings spray painted silver it's exactly the same thing. Like I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's a trackball. Oh, that's a highlight. Like I could go to Target right now and get one for 20 bucks and it's plastic. He just spray painted it silver. And that super bothered me that before they could use normal everyday items and create them into something fantastical and outer spacey, but they just gave up. That was the only thing in his room that bugged you? <laughs> no, there was a I lot mean, in his room that bugged me. The, the fact that he was creating C-3PO... Yeah, which, it's just tying everything together way too much. Which we all know, C-3PO is, he is very helpful. So I could only imagine what, he would be helping his mom uh, translate papers mm-hmm. or translate, I don't know. But you would figure that uh, a, a mother uh, who's a slave would need help with, I don't know, carrying groceries, yeah. uh, carrying supplies. None of those things that C-3PO could be good at would be, valuable for him beneficial for a slave and his mother i like that they showed that he had already kind of started working on c-3po i thought that was kind of a cool tie-in um you mentioned that in the script he was supposed to be 12 yes uh that's one of my biggest things is anakin is way too young in this movie Mm. first of all they cast an actor who just doesn't have the ability to kind of carry that role in the way that he was supposed to he's supposed to show a lot of darkness um, and you don't really see that. He's just kind of a little kid. He's a normal little kid. And, um, so, you know, that was an issue. And the, and I mean, that ties in with his relationship with Padme later is there's too much of a gap in the age, uh, difference in this movie. And so when the second movie comes around, it's just creepy. It's not, yeah. it's not reasonable. And uh, see, they do these three movies as the story of Darth Vader, who is my favorite character in the original trilogy, just because of the story arc, knowing that he was corrupted to the dark side. So you're like, you get to see this person become so super evil, and it's really exciting, that whole idea. But they just fail on the execution. Um, like, there's uh, a bunch of different scenes. I wasn't expecting to see you carrying him like that on your stomach. Matt's carrying the baby. Um but there's just so many scenes that were removed and that they were talking about, but it could have been done so much better with the 12-year-old. Uh, this idea is way too dark, but I thought it would have been really cool to see Anakin using the Force to mind-trick his mother into letting him pod race because she didn't want him to and letting him go with them 
but I feel like that's way too dark. But uh, I think like those are the type of things you need to kind of put in there and hint at to show Anakin becoming Vader. And when he walks into the screen, there's no music cue. There's no big like moment to show Anakin, who's going to be the most evil villain in the galaxy. It's just a kid kind of walking in like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like um, awkwardly climbing onto the top of a bar. Um, it looks like Matt has something to say. Well, on that note, like this movie shows his innocence. So it shows what he started as. Mm-hmm. He started innocent. He didn't start evil, so we can't expect him to be evil. No, but I felt like there should have been some sort of central conflict. Because if... I, I guess they could have gotten away with it in this movie of him just being totally innocent. But they needed to play something on top of that instead of him just being like, I'm a kid, do, 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 yippee! Like, like, trying to get a kid, trying to cast a child to show adult emotion is very, very hard. As evident by, now this is pod racing! And just anything, basically, that comes out of his mouth. So, kind of how they introduced Kylo in the in the newest movie. Like, I mean, they introduced him as a very sinister person. Hmm. But that's how they showcased him at that point. So what I'm saying, or what I'm trying to uh, tie into is kind of what Matt was saying is how um, they introduced Anakin as a very sweet and uh, innocent type of a person. But you're trying to say that there should be at least some sort of climax to this is who Darth Vader was. Yeah, like I think ways that they could have done this is first of all, his mother is a complete non-character. She's just kind of there like, oh, I don't like you doing that, Annie. And he's like, but I like to. And she's like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) But if his mom, like, I thought it would be cool if they incorporated a scene of, like, Annie getting picked on. And the mom comes over and, like, shoves the other kid. And she's like, don't let anyone walk all over you. You be who you are and show no regrets. Like, having a strong maternal figure telling him, like, be you and, like, believe in what you believe. I think that would carry so much more. It's still innocent. But it makes so much more sense with him, like, thinking the Jedi are turning on him later on and being like, this is what I believe. I got to go with it and, you know, being grown. No matter how you play it, it's going to be difficult to show the mo- one of the most evil, one of the most powerful um, characters and villains of all time, Darth Vader, as a child is going to be difficult no matter how yeah. you do it. Um, but I think it would have helped a lot to have him be 12 years old so that it shows that he he's had some development and there's already something showing of a dark side. Mm. Um, and then also <clears throat> having him be, I, I like your idea of having a more impactful mother, having, yeah. having her have much more character. And, and I think they needed her to say something that had an impact on his life that was endure, enduring throughout the time. So that when he, that when he feels like he needs to save her, it's a little bit more defended in the in the storyline. Well, she she does say that the biggest problem in the universe is that nobody helps each other. Yeah, and I would oh, argue sure. that yeah. that she is in awe with the whole immaculate conception thing, the midi chlorians mm. creating him. So I don't think oh, she God. feels as though <laughs> with him on my yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think she feels as though. She really needs to raise him. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't feel like she needs to guide him because she herself is in so much awe that he's there in the first place. That doesn't say anything that that her character is great, but it's just a point I wanted to make because she's very passive, but I think that's for a reason. Yeah. 
No, I I definitely see that. And I think that could work with some of the stuff, especially in episode two. There's one thing that I learned that was cut from the movie that ties into something that was cut from episode three that would have totally changed a lot of my opinion about this. Um, Matt, you're doing a great job defending this movie, and I understand why we're saying all these negative things. What what were some things that really bothered you about The Phantom Menace? Yeah. Pod racing and, <laughs> and Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I mean, the focus on both of those characters as complete non-essential plot points, they made them essential, but they didn't need to be there. They are, they are huge plot points in the movie, but like Jar Jar's character does things. Uh, he Barely. helps, but he's clumsy about it, and yeah. it's uh, horrible. Here, here's, let me ask you something. Mm. I'm like adjusting in my chair to get really serious <laughs> and dramatic. Um Okay, so do you remember uh, Tarples? Who's he's the um, Jar Jar creature that's like, oh Jar Jar, you in deep doo oh, yeah, this he's time. Like the general guy. If we took out Jar Jar and okay. put him in his place and kind of had Still because just as annoying. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, is you have more of like a Han Solo type character. Like if Jar Jar was cast out from his people because he was just kind of a bit of a scoundrel, okay, like yeah. not trustworthy. And you have Qui-Gon as a person that's like, believe in your feelings, be patient, all that kind of stuff. But then you have someone that's just going to like go for it. Like that Han Solo, like, oh, it's okay to dabble in grays and, you know, there is no black and white. Okay. And have a more serious character on the other shoulder of Anakin. I felt like they could have kept that character and made it more like a Tarples. And it still kind of would have worked going forward having it would have been a lot better. that bad influence it would have been better instead of sure. inspector clouseau with big dog ears like <laughs> falling around on everything like and there's an entire walking space and a piece of bantha poop that he winds up walking in like the clumsiness is, trade him away oh it's so annoying Sorry. it's so annoying it's so bad touching the droid in the shop yeah. Stepping in the goo. The, I, will, I, I mean, will, eating the frog off the thing. Like, has he no common sense? I, I it's will not say. That he's clumsy. He's a freaking idiot. The only joke that works with Jar Jar is when he picks up that little droid and it kicks him in the crotch and he has no reaction. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only joke well, we don't know that I actually laughed at. He's just kind of like, okay, and then it like kicks him and he just kind of nudges, but like no other reaction besides that. I thought that was really. Maybe funny. they're in a separate place. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it is his ears. Like, just something weird. So can we talk about how the religion thing is throughout the movie? That is also another huge problem that I have with it. The Immaculate Conception, the Midichlorians, the the Gungan gods, the life debt. You look like an angel. Yeah, Yeah. you look like an angel. So when you brought that up earlier, I really wanted to say something, but I was like, well, I'll just wait a little bit. No, go for it, man. So that is a huge that's a huge flaw in the movie for me. Yeah. They make it super central. Yeah. Um, it, like another plot point, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't think it's really that necessary. They, they bring a lot of like religious elements to it, but then they remove the entire like force religion from yes, the universe by bringing in the Metachlorians and making either. it science. They like, don't hardly explain the prophecy either. No. Which is another big problem. They're just kind of like, there's a prophecy. We'll tell you later. I was really <laughs> bothered by the whole immaculate conception thing. Yeah. I don't know why that becomes so necessary. You see that in a lot of different movies nowadays. And it's like... Yeah. You could just say he doesn't have a father. And then it's yeah, just like, ooh, mystery. I think it would be better to say we're not... Like, I'm not sure yeah. who his father is. And it may be that he doesn't have one. 
But like, I think to shroud it in more mystery would be positive rather than just straight up saying he doesn't have a father. He magically appeared in my belly by, you know, the force because the force decided like if that really happened, he would be the chosen one. Um, there is one character that we haven't really talked about. Mind tricks don't work on me. Only money. Old Watto. Watto. <laughs> um, I, I do like that mind tricks don't work on him. Yeah. I think there needs to be more characters in these movies where they're just, they just happen to be immune to mind tricks and that's part yeah, of their character. Back, huh? You'll find what you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, I gotta say, I actually do kind of like Watto. Like, because he's at least a developed character who you find out has emotion to, um, to these other characters. I mean, he has some good lines, and he kind of does the oh, like I'm making a joke. Do you find it funny? And then no one does, and he's kind of like, oh. <laughs> but like he has ups and downs. He has character development. He's more developed than Anakin in the entire movie than you know. What uh, he has is a huge gambling problem. Yes, he does have a huge gambling yeah, he problem. Yeah, a huge gambling problem. And mind tricks don't work on him, but a Jedi with his arms folded, clearly moving his arm in front of him to flip a chance cube, yeah. like, he doesn't notice that. And he's just like, what? How weird that this happened. Like, there, and, Sorry, there, there is one little piece. Uh, so with Watto, hmm. um, the, only, the only part that kind of bugs me is that, like, uh, they, they introduce so many different species throughout the throughout this trilogy there's no real main character in this movie there's just so tons of people right and it's like i i know nothing about what what Watto is what Watto is um i, I mean i understand to try to he's a tundarian <laughs> but but like where they come from or like sebulba uh, yeah. they try to they try to have um uh, well i mean that could be talked about in episode two but I mean, they have some of these uh, a part of the what? What is that? Where they're all? Where they all meet up? Oh, council the council, the Jedi Council? No, no, not that. But like, uh, where Arena? the Chancellor, the Chancellor's talking. Oh, the them. big Senate thing. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So they, you see, you see a lot of these races there. Yeah. But like, I, you know, nothing about them. I actually have something about that. You can see uh, during the Senate thing, you can see a bunch of ETs in one of the spot from the movie ET. Did you know that the senator of the ETs actually has a name? No. No. It is Gribleeps, which is Spielberg backwards. Oh. So there's a fun little fact for you guys. <laughs> I like it. I like it. As random as it is. I like um, it. Also, uh, in terms of like deleted things, um, there's the big space battle that Anakin, for some reason, Qui-Gon's like, hey, just stay next to me. By the way, we're going into a war zone. Okay? We're going to walk into a hangar and try to infiltrate the people that are being protected. There's probably going to be lots of shots fired. So I'm going to bring you with me. Don't take a weapon. He's like, we're just going to go in there and see how it goes. And they go in and instantly they're firing. And he's like, quick, hide. And it's like, put him on the ship. Like, why is he there? Leave him at the other planet with the Jedi Council so they can keep an eye on him. Anything other than what you're doing. So then he flies and he blows up the ship. When he first crashes on the ship, there was a line that was deleted uh, where he says, great gobs of bantha poodoo. That's a, that's a real thing. Terrible. Good thing that... Good thing they deleted that line. The one cut they did that was a good choice. And then uh, 
there's a scene where he's flying and he's like, whoa, this isn't pod racing. And then when he crashes and he starts driving through the thing and then he's like, now this is pod racing. It was a follow-up to that line, but they cut the first one. But all of them, awful. They're all bad. They're all bad. Uh, let's move on to, uh, I think we need to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on okay, this Okay, I have one more thing to say. The prequels. I have yeah. one more thing to say about this movie, and that is Captain Panaka has a cape on his hat for no reason. <laughs> it was like they were like, sir, yeah. you're a high-ranking officer you need a cape and he's like it gets involved too much in my arm movements and like then how about on your hat and he's like that's a great idea hat maker give me a cape on my hat and he can't wear it backwards in any sort of funky style it just looks like this dumb thing and for a city in naboo that's totally taken over by the trade federation nothing's broken or damaged there's like eight droids there and then when they jump in to save them there's a bunch of droids around them they are slashing all these droids and then after like 10 seconds obi-wan turns and force pushes like four of them away who were just standing there the whole time their friends and fellow soldiers were getting murdered just like do we shoot now like (laughs) what roger roger there's no reason like roger roger they have a crazy amount of droids that they could use and not a single one and they have droid deckers that have the power to put a shield around them if anyone just used that ability to go into a war with the shields around themselves, they'd be indestructible against the battle droid. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else have anything to say about episode one? <laughs> well, did we talk about how great the lightsaber fight was? Oh, yeah. Uh, Darth Maul. Uh, yeah. Darth Maul. Oh, quickly before that, also accidentally destroying the ship, staying in the cockpit. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. It's just atrocious. What did you have to say, Ryan? Sorry. Uh, uh, how they get past the Trade Federation? Yeah. Um, they could have left the planet at any other location other than that one. And, and I love how when they just get past it, then the Trade Federation is like, well, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, don't send anyone after them. Well, it's fine. Fresh well, out of luck there. Yeah. And how, uh, how superior this Trade Federation is, yet this one random ship can get past their defense. Yeah, they're just like, ah, crap, should have closed the door. Um, okay, so one of the biggest positives in the movie is the is the, the lightsaber fight with uh, Darth Maul. I think most people would agree with that, but it's also one of the biggest negatives of the, all the prequels because they chose to kill Darth Maul. Yeah. One of the most compelling villains in this whole series, and they kill him off in the first movie. That was an accident. <laughs> okay. Um I wish they would have kept him around. Um he was he could have been a great motivator for yeah. Obi-Wan because he I think they should have kept him killing Qui-Gon. He should have done what Count Dooku does in the other movies. Right, kind of got away. Yeah, yeah. at the end of the fight. They don't stay with the villain. They don't stay with anything. You're like the emperor but he's busy doing all of these political talks and it's like, okay, we're just going to cash in on that villain, that villain's done. Okay, cash in on that villain, that villain's done. And it's like, okay, so who's the central character? We don't have one. We have Qui-Gon, we have Obi-Wan, we have Anakin. We can't focus on a single hero in this movie. And then, really, there's no like looming danger. And so we, it's just like, what is happening? We don't have a central film? hero, and we don't have a central villain either. Yeah. Palpatine is switching on and off. He's never really. He's not the central villain until the uh, third movie. And um, but you, the first you got Darth Maul. The second you got Count, Count Dooku, Dooku, and then the third you got uh, Emperor Palpatine. So yeah. like, 
Oh, and yep. General Grievous. Yeah, which, who just kind of yeah. shows up and doesn't General really Grievous, do a whole lot they, until the third you know, movie. Honestly, when you if you're honest with yourself, they didn't do a terrible job with with General Grievous. But that's episode two. We'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then just to touch up on the last little bit on the lightsaber battle. Yeah, it was awesome. They don't uh, tell you, or they um, they say, or they uh, say um, uh, Darth Maul is dead but he continues on during the clone wars yeah um and uh that's what i have to say which i gotta give props to that show for trying to make something good out of something so awful and and they they really did a a good good job job and and not only and that so it is very possible because they did that in the cartoon series it is very possible that we may see him in a later movie they set that up because clone wars if you didn't know this already is canon so that Disney property mm. that they did, the animated series, which is quite good, yeah, um, is I, canon. I will say the first fight you see of Qui-Gon and Darth Maul in the sand is one of the worst shot scenes I've ever seen. It just devolves into, like, robes flying and then, like, the handle of a lightsaber. Like, you can't even see what's going on. Yeah. And then they do something really weird with the camera and do C-3PO vision, which we don't get in any other movie. But you're looking through the eyes of C-3PO and it takes you out of the movie. Very odd. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, we didn't really talk about pod racing, but there's one thing I wanted to say. Anakin's flipping the switches as things are going down and everything's in an alien language. And he's just silent, like making that face on your phone when you do emoticons. Um, but he's flipping switches. If he had someone in a headset, like Anakin, like a pit crew or something like Qui-Gon, just like Anakin, what's going on? He's like, Oh, I got to revert the power to this and this. And then I got to flip this and then fix that. Okay. As he's explaining all the switches he's flipping, they'll let you know that he's really intelligent about this mechanical stuff and he can speak to it. And you're just like, Oh, okay. He's kind of an expert. This is push the nose. Yeah. (laughs) Push the nose. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. It's working. It's working. Also, Guido was in the pit crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the little kid like, oh, yeah. Then they missed the high five. Just have to mention <laughs> N64 Pod Racer. I love that game. That is a great game. Holy crap. I totally forgot my biggest issue with this movie. Guido's fingers? No. Long and really no. rubbery? The biggest issue is when Qui-Gon makes a deal with Watto. They make a deal, and then they low five. And they low-five each other to make a deal. Here's my issue. At the end, first of all, when do Jedi or in space, they like any written documentation, low-five will do. (laughs) But, but, no, they, uh, he's like, no, you can't have the boy. And he's like, well, maybe I'll take it up with the huts. And he's like, uh. Like, take what up with the huts? Like, you're going to go and be like, excuse me, Jabba? Yeah, we low-fived on a deal about me getting this slave kid. And Jabba's like, hmm. Did you too slow, Joe? No, I didn't. Well, then it's pretty clear cut that you get the boy now. I mean, I mean, if there was no too slow, Joe, and there was skin to skin contact, it's a binding contract. It's his way of of forcing him to stay true to his word. It is so freaking ridiculous. He tried taking the boy's wife, the boy's mom. He only low five. <laughs> low five. Was it? Hold on. Are we talking high fives? No, no, no. Low fives. Okay. It's about to call out my bodyguard. This is intense. Um, all right. So that'll do it for episode one. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Oh, it looks like Matt. Matt. We'll save it for later. Okay. Um, then uh, we're going to jump out, and then we'll be right back with some episode two. <laughs> 